Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, welcome back to the Global Game. Thanks to Kraken.com, trusted by 9 million crypto customers worldwide. That's Kraken.com, broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. James Dodd and Scott McDonald here with you on SEN. It's now time to welcome our special guest for the evening to help us delve even deeper into the youth development discussion. It's the former soccer our now St. George City Technical Director, Atec Gensch. Good evening to you, Atec. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, very well, thanks, Atex. Atex, since your your retirement, you've you've essentially spent the last two decades working in in management and in particular youth development with the likes of you know, Sydney United, St George FC, Sydney FC. You name it, the list goes on. So, I want to get right into the heart of the issue with you, Atex. Does the fact that the young players starring, in particular, you know, at the World Cup for the Socceroos, show that that youth development is in a good place in Australia at the moment? Oh, I'll tell you what, that's a long discussion, boys, because uh, <laughs> you know, there are people who would say it is, others would say it isn't. Um, yeah, I mean, we'd probably need a, a few days to talk about that. But look, we've got some great players in this country. I think uh, there's so many talented young Australian players, and it's just about how we nurture them and you know how they, what systems they're coming through and pathways and so on and so forth. And maybe trying to unify what's happening in the country. You know, we've got various... Uh, issues at the moment uh, uh, with regards, you know, you've got private academies on one side, you've got, um, you know, skill acquisition programs, you've got NPL, different structures and so on. But um, I suppose, um, you know, if you had to analyse it, you look at these Garan Quolls and all these guys coming through the ranks, we just got talent. And how do we get the best out of this talent that we have? So that's the big question. Hey, thanks. Scotty Mack here. Nice to have you on the show. Um, just thanks, in terms of obviously your experience now, particularly at NPL level, um, we ha- I'm up in Queensland now. We have an issue with obviously Brisbane Raw now not having an academy. They've decided to disband it. Um, in terms of your kids, though, when they come to you and, and they ask you if they ever have, if they have actually asked you, what is my pathway? How do I get to be a Joey or a young Socceroo? Because obviously that's the first steps. What's the answer to that? What 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 can you tell them? All right, so look, in my space at St. George, I spent 11 years as the head of football for the St. George Football Association. I know that not every state has that, but uh, we have 23. We had 23 clubs under our banner. Uh, it was important for us to establish an MPL pathway that included, you know, coming, getting kids out of the grassroots space through into the skill acquisition SAP space and then into NPL and then senior football. So, yeah, we try to create those pathways. And a lot of those pathways do exist in New South Wales, I think in Victoria, it's more club-based. And I'm not sure exactly how it works up in Queensland, which uh, that's your space. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just to unify all that. Um, so for us, it's about, you know, the young age groups. Um, you know, other grassroots clubs doing the right thing. Um, you, know, you know, kids at that age who just have fun and, you know, have encouraging parents and so on. And, you know, as long as you provide an environment for them to thrive, that's fine. But um, you're always going to get the talented kids. They're the ones you need to identify and then put them through that pathway system. That's what we've always done. Um, and then I suppose the issue, guys, is, you know, then you, so they get into the skill acquisition program phase, and then we talk about costs of football and so on. Because if you come out of a grassroots space and go into a SAP space, 
Now, your fees might go from $300 to $1,500. That's one argument um, where people will say, um, you know, that doesn't work. But at the same time, we need good people to work in the game because without it, you can't teach the technical skills uh, to these kids that, you know, that, that they need. So, you know, there's there's so many things that are happening in the game that, that need improvement. How did we do it prior, though, ATEC? When we grew, how did we do it prior then? I know, I know things evolve and move on, but how did we do that before now? You're saying we need good people to coach and it saps the way forward for that or MPL through coaches who have got license. How did we do it before and how was it successful? Why? Well, that's was, that's was, the biggest was, question. Exactly. And it was all on the street, wasn't it? We played in the backyard. I mean, I, like you, Scotty, you know, you go home, you know, after, after school, you wouldn't think about anything else. You no. just, you know, grab a slice of bread, go out and play football for four hours. Absolutely. Um, you know, they talk about replicating street football, but the world's changed. You know, they've got more distractions. You've got social media. You've got a lot of things happening. So, so the, you know, the world evolves. And so, you know, back then, you know, there were so many creative footballers, guys that actually taught themselves. There was less uh, structured football. You know, you played for your local club team and then you'd sort of back up for your rep team on a Sunday. And that was about it. Um, you know, even when I was young, I mean, I don't remember really getting coached a lot. It was more playing out the back with my mates and my brothers and, and watching a lot of TV. And, you know, when I was younger, I took a great interest in the game. And um, that's what we want. We want these young kids to be watching football, watching A-League, watching international football. Because I used to watch, um, you know, back in the day, Trevor Booking or, you know, Alan Devonshire or Tony Curry. And you know, people don't know who these names are, mate. I was like, I was like eight years old, you know, watching... Uh, English football and, and thinking, oh, I was dreaming of the day I, I might be able to play like that one day. You know, so they're trying to hold the aerial at kids. the same time. Trying to make a good old black and white TV. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you remember those days? You're a bit younger than me, yeah. but seriously. Yeah. Um, so really, how do we engage the kids? Look, there's a huge interest in the game here. You look at the participation rates. You look at, and there's a lot of well-intentioned people. Uh, you know, at, at local clubs, at NPL clubs, and so on. But we need funding, and, and funding has to flow down, and that's another argument. Yeah, people, you know, have this um, simplistic view that, um, oh, yeah, let's just cut the cost of football. That's fantastic. But then you, you're not going to get good people working in the game unless they're volunteering, right? So what they're going to do, um, you know, most of the revenues are going to start going to private operators, you know, guys with expertise. And there's a lot of them out there who run really good academies, and, you know, we can't fund them. In, in a more sort of an institutionalised um, manner. So they've got to go out and set up their own businesses. And now all of a sudden they're responsible for development. And, the, you know, the answer to your question around A-League clubs, well, they don't operate into, in, the, in the, you know, the under-7s to under-12s. You know, um, they're, 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 they're not allowed to. They're not allowed to. The like FAs don't allow it. Exactly. Yeah. Look, personally, I think there's too much intervention in, in the game. That's my personal opinion. I, I think that, you know, if you look at funding, right, you know, it's $1,500 to play SAP. You know, FFA take a portion of that. Football New South Wales or the governing, governing body take a portion of that. Or GST's taken out of that. You've got, um, you know, you know we, we've got a beautiful ground that we, we train on, which costs us a bomb. So you're, you're talking about large costs associated with the venues. You've got the gear. You've got coaches. You've got to have eight coaches in uh, under 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s, all up. Eight coaches you've got to fund. Right, um, and then people are saying, "Oh, yeah, let's just cut it down to you know five hundred dollars." You cut that down to five hundred dollars. There's no coaches, so where are you? How are you going to fund these people? So I agree, football should be for free. I totally agree with that. But 
where's our funding model? It's not top down at the moment. So how do we how do we do it? I take it. It's a fantastic point you raise because so I've read you guys a couple of statistics here. So around two million people are playing football in Australia at the moment. Among children between the ages of six and thirteen, there's a participation rate of forty eight percent, making it one of, yep. if not the most popular sport with younger demographics. If you look at the funding that football received in twenty one twenty two, it was just under eight million dollars. That's less than basketball, swimming, sailing, hockey, athletics, and cycling, which had $14.5 million worth of funding. How can that possibly be allowed to happen? Given this World Cup campaign, you've just seen what the game could do if it was backed more. Can you, can you see that changing? Well, it should change. We need, I mean, we need to lobby. We need to... Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of politics in the game. Well, politics everywhere, right? With the, you know... Um, you know, whatever industry you're in, but uh, we need to lobby for this funding. We need to get more funding. I mean, they're talking about, you talk about those participation rates. It's absolutely massive. And it's outrageous that we get such a low proportion of that funding. And, um, you know, obviously that's got to, you know, be in the hands of the FFA and governing bodies and so on to ensure that we get our fair share. Um, And look at what the Socceroos have done. Um, You know, look at all the, uh, you know, from 2006, we've been the last five World Cups. Um, We're doing very well. But uh, we need to leverage that. Um, but that comes down to influence, doesn't it? Power, influence. Um, how do we get this money? And, um, you know, corporate sponsorship. We've got the Matildas next year at the World Cup at home. I mean, surely, you know, people need to recognise that we, the game is the biggest sport. It's the biggest sport in the world. It's, the biggest, it's potentially the biggest game in the country here. But we're not like the Rugby League and AFL um, organisations where they get a lot of top-down funding. I mean, they're talking, uh, you know, $2.2 billion dollars with a funding based on TV revenues. And we don't have that at the moment. But there's got to be a solution somewhere. Because what happens now is that we're all, you know, people are criticising the fact that parents are paying for this. You know, but um, how do we fund it? I mean, my daughter goes to, to dancing and I pay 20 grand a year. And nobody balks at that, right? But um, the local kids at the park should play for free. I agree with that. Uh, there's an answer somewhere. There's an answer on there. A-Tech Engine, thank you very much. Former Socceroo, now St. George City Technical Director. Appreciate your insights on this. It's a fascinating topic, so thanks very much for your time. Thanks, A-Tech. No worries, guys. Thank you. All the best. Now, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, download Keep Up, the home of everything A-Leagues, where you can watch the new docuseries A-Leagues All Access. This week's episode is Melissa Barbieri. I've already seen a snippet of it. It's a certainly one you don't want to miss. Meanwhile, today on Keep Up, Jason Cummings puts the call out to the fans to turn up at the Isuzu A-League men's games this weekend. The competition does resume. Cammy Devlin explains how he ended up with Lionel Messi's jersey. I asked him those questions last night. His responses <laughs> are gold dust. Remember, it was Lionel Messi's 1,000th game. He somehow snagged I've the got, jersey as well. I've got a story for you on that one, by the Go way. On, Someone has actually... I got a phone call today. Someone has actually called Cammy Devlin up and offered him half a million dollars for the jersey. There you go. There's an exclusive for you. (laughs) And you know who that will have to go through as well? It's his dad because he told me last night at the airport that he didn't want to put the the jersey in his his checked-in baggage because he was so scared that it might go missing. So he gave it to his dad to take on and his carry-on and kept it with him the whole way. So the Devlins could be a certainly uh, certainly bit bit richer, that's for sure. That's all available on the Keep Up app or at keepup.com.au. Coming up, we're going through a full preview of tomorrow morning's round of 16 clashes as Spain face a potential banana skin against Morocco. Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo take on Switzerland. That's coming up with me, James Dodd, Scott McDonald on the Global Game.